Okay, church, um, I don't do this very often. Uh, we're working through the book of First John, in, but we're not going to be in First John today. I um, have this message prepared, and it's not that it's not relevant. Actually, we're talking about walking in the light as he is in the light. We're talking about being light. But I felt, I, I just felt God leading in a different direction. And it does have to do with what's happening next weekend. And um, so I want you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 14. That's going to be our text today. Luke chapter 14. Verses 34 and 35. Now I just quoted from Matthew chapter 5 to the children. Where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its flavor or its savor, it's fit for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But our text today, I I want to look at Luke chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. Luke writes, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we understand this scripture in the context of the scripture I just quoted to you. Let's just go there in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13, this is Jesus. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus gives the Beatitudes. And in those Beatitudes, by the way, in verse 10, he says, Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One of the promises that we often don't like to uh, remind ourselves that God made to us is that we will experience persecution in this world. We will experience tribulation in this world. Jesus promised us that. But he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Then it is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now let's go back to Luke 14. So when we read that in Matthew 5, 13, we usually think of salt like we put on our french fries. That's why I asked that question. Who likes salt on their french fries? Well, we all like salt on our french fries, or at least probably most of us do. Maybe you don't eat french fries, but if you do eat french fries and you do like french fries, I can't imagine that you like them without salt on them because they just taste better with salt, right? And so when we read Matthew 5.13, if the salt's lost its flavor, its savor, what, what's it? if it's not salty, then why are you putting it on your french fries? Because it's not helping your french fries, right? But I want us to think about salt differently. I want us to think about it as Luke presents it here in Luke chapter 14, verse 34 and 35. And David Brooks brought a video over one night, and we watched this, and it was like uh, an epiphany for me. Uh, Because I usually think of salt being salt as we read back there in 
Luke, I mean in Matthew chapter 5, 13. But here in Luke chapter 14, verses 34, Luke writes, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 35, verse 35 is where I want us to focus. It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. Does anyone here not know what a dunghill is? So we're all clear. We know what a dunghill is. Okay. But men throw it out. So it's not fit for the land, and it's not fit for the dunghill. But men throw it out. When what? When salt has lost its flavor or its saltiness. So salt, you probably have a cardboard canister that you flip open and that's where you get your salt. Or maybe you have a salt pig on your counter and you, you know, use kosher salt or whatever. That's usually sodium chloride, I think, is what the chemical term is. Usually what we think about when we think about salt. And we think about it mostly in terms of our food, making it taste better or... Um, back when they didn't have refrigeration, they used salt to preserve things. Uh, did you know that the word salary comes from salt? Because people were paid their wages for working with salt. So you do your, your week's worth of work or whatever, or your day's worth of work. Very many people were paid with salt. That's why your salary is called a salary. It comes from this root word that we get salt from. Salt was that valuable because it preserved food. It made things last longer. It was extremely valuable. Jesus says to the church, to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. Luke says here that when the salt loses its flavor, its saltiness, that salt is not fit for the land nor the dunghill. Now, when we think of salt commonly, we're not thinking about land and we're not thinking about dunghills. We don't think about taking our, you know, Morton salt shaker canister and going out there and pouring it all over our flowers because if we do that, it's going to kill our flowers. So we don't put salt on the land. Rome used to do that when they were going to make a place uninhabitable. But did you know that salt is a necessary component to make things grow? That's why Luke says when salt loses its flavor, it's not fit for the land. In other words, when it loses its flavor, you can't put it on the land and it's not going to make anything grow. It's not going to make the roots grow. It's not going to make the flowers bloom. It's not going to do anything good worthless or if salt loses its flavor you can't put it on the dunghill and it's not going to do anything you know what salt does on a dunghill salt takes the dunghill and actually makes what is bad and nasty into something that can be used to be productive that's why they put salt on the dunghill because it helped the dunghill turn into good fertilizer. And salt itself was a necessary component as a fertilizer 
to make things grow. You also put it on the dunghill to keep the bad things from spreading, to kill the bad things and to make that dunghill something that could be used to make something bad good. Luke says if salt has lost its flavor, it's not fit for the land, it's not going to make anything grow, and it's not fit for the dunghill, it's not going to keep anything from growing that's bad. So you can use salt to flavor your food, to preserve your food. That's the way we most commonly think about it. But Luke presents another picture here. Now, how does that salt, when does that salt become effective if we're using it for fertilizer? How effective is your fertilizer if you keep it in the bag or the box? Does it help your land? No. If you're supposed to put salt on your dunghill to keep the bad things from growing and to turn that nasty dunghill into something that can actually become productive, if you keep your salt in the box and you never put it on the dunghill, is the salt working for you? No. So when the salt comes in contact with what it's supposed to be applied to, that's when the salt works. If you keep the salt in the shaker, it's not salting your french fries. Your french fries aren't going to taste very good. So you've got to put the salt on the french fries to get the effect you want. You kind of see where I'm going with this? Our buildings are like salt shakers. Salt stays inside. And we just have grand times parting, all the salt parting together. Now, earlier, you might have remembered, I said that focusing on our personal relationship with Jesus really isn't biblical. Now, here in America, we have created this idea that our relationship with Jesus is this personal thing. Me and Jesus have our own thing going. Let me ask you, where is your salt at your house? Do you keep grains individually stored in different places in your home? Or are they all stored together in one place? So that when you shake them out, they're, they're all coming from one place because they've all been gathered together in one place so that they can be poured out into another place. Have you ever noticed that the scripture from beginning to end, now I know we started with one man in the garden, but it didn't take long before God to change that. He took that one man and he built a woman from the man and then he commanded the man and the woman to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And we go through the scripture and we see that God is addressing his people and he always addressed his people in a corporate context. Now, I'm not saying God didn't talk to prophets individually and give individual messages. I'm, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I think if we would all agree, if we honestly read the scripture and look at the scripture, when God is addressing his people, he's addressing them corporately. When Jesus said, for instance, when he asked Peter, who do men say that I am? And Peter says... 
You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, man has not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. And from now on, your name is not not Simon, but it's Peter, the rock. Upon this rock, I will do what? I will build my church. Do you know what that word church? It's the first, Jesus was the first person to use that word in the New Testament, recorded. Jesus used the word church. I will build my church, my assembly of called out ones. That's what the word church means. An assembly of called out ones. Here in America, we focus on our individual relationship with Jesus to the exclusion of the assembly of called out ones. And we think we're good because me and Jesus have our own thing going. And all we're worried about is getting to heaven. Now I have these things at home. My my father-in-law gave them to me. I was going to if I'd have known I was going to preach this message today, I would have brought them. In fact, I called two of you to see if you were still at my house. So you could go, or near my house, that you could go in my house and get these things. And what these things are, they're old. I don't know when people or why people use them, but they're these metal things that you hook onto your your shoes, and it was before the invention of steel-toed boots. So you hook these metal things onto your shoes, and it covers your toes so that if you drop something on your toes, it doesn't squash your toe. They're really goofy-looking things. Now, I was planning to preach from you, to, to teach you today, and to, to, to give you a message out of 1 John, but we need to be flexible, right? We need to be ready in season and out of season. And I feel like with what we have happening in our community that has just kind of come upon us, didn't really just come upon us, we just become aware of it. How did, I, I've had more than one person ask me, well, how did this happen? I sat with a group of pastors, and I had a pastor just sitting there, like with this blank stare. And I said, brother, are you okay? What are you thinking? He said, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the reality that this is happening in Taylor, Texas. Well, you know how this is happening in Taylor, Texas? Because we've got a church, Christ Fellowship included, and the church in general who's so concerned about their personal relationship with Jesus and their personal blessing and their personal happiness and their personal whatever that we have forgot that Jesus called us an assembly. And it makes perfect sense because you keep your salt in a shaker all together to pour out on your food. You keep your fertilizer in a bag or a box or a bucket so that you can put it on your land. If you had a dunghill, and I trust that most of you don't, but if you had one before indoor plumbing and you went to your restroom, you'd have a little box of salt there, and when you got through, you would take that salt, gathered, assembled in that box, and you'd put it on your dunghill so your dunghill would turn into something productive. But Luke says, when the salt has lost its flavor, it's not worth putting on the land, 
And it's not worth putting on the dunghill. In fact, it's not worth anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We'll just put it on the ground to keep the ground from becoming muddy. But it ain't going to do anything. It's not going to make anything grow, and it's not going to keep anything from growing. It's not going to make anything that was unproductive and nasty become something productive that can be used for good and for glory. That's what happens when salt loses its flavor. And the reason I was trying to get those steel-toed things was because I want to step on your toes today. I want to make you think. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I am quite disturbed of what's happening. We got an 11-year-old boy who believes... He's a girl, and I've seen the videos of this kid, and it's sad. I'm thinking somebody should go and take that child away from their parents. Because the video I saw, I think he was nine years old then, and he wasn't acting like a nine-year-old. He was having hand gestures and, and an attitude that was anything but like what you would see with a nine-year-old. Be more like something you'd see in a strip club. But that's who's going to be doing story time with our children because this is a family-friendly event. And there are families who have bought into love is love. Let's not rock the boat. I had a pastor tell me that a few weeks ago. Let's not rock the boat. Let's just get along to get along. Let's go along to get along. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. And we wonder why our nation is going to hell? I can use that word because it's in the Bible. We wonder what's happening to our city, our county, our state, our nation. You know what's happening? I, I'm not throwing rocks at the homosexuals or the sinners. I'm not talking to the homosexuals or the sinners. I'm talking to the church. Because we have a church in America, we have a population in America that professes to be Christian while they support sin and abominations like this and think it's okay. We have a church in America who is more concerned about their personal relationship with Jesus and whether they get to sleep late on Sunday or whether they get to do this or do that. And as long as me and Jesus are okay, because the Bible says, after all, if I trust in Jesus, I'm going to heaven. The problem with that is you're not just called a person in relationship with Jesus. Jesus refers to you as the church, his people. He addresses his people, his nation. Peter says we're a royal priesthood. That's a group. We're a holy nation. That's a group. We're an assembly that's us today of called out ones. What are we called out of? We're called out of the world. We're called out of darkness. We're called out of sin. And while we have churches all over America this Sunday morning preaching and teaching about people's personal blessing, personal wealth, personal happiness, personal healing, we got a world going to hell because we're so concerned about our personal relationship with Jesus, we forgot that we're supposed to be salt. 
that we're supposed to be applied to the land. We're supposed to be put on the dunghill so it doesn't remain a dunghill. I would apologize for my passion, but I won't. Because if we don't get passionate about this, what are we going to get passionate for? When I asked churches to sign the letter because the city wouldn't let us put the cross up in the square, I did have 14 churches, I'm glad, who signed the letter. But I had six who said, no, we don't want to be a part of that because we don't want to create waves. We don't want to ruin our witness. Well, tell me when next, next Saturday, when all of the gay community has gathered from all over Central Texas and other parts of the country to come here, where is the witness of the church? Where is it? And we have city councilmen and people that I know personally do not approve of that lifestyle, but they're there because they feel the pressure because the church is so concerned about her personal relationship with Jesus, she has forgotten what it means to be salt and what it means to be light. And we don't want to come in contact with the ground to make a difference. We just want to stay in our salt shaker here. Well, I'm sorry, that's not what salt is for. And I wonder... As I look across the landscape of our nation, and I look across the landscape of the church, what has to happen in this nation before the people of God wake up? And they become less concerned about, about what people are going to think about them, and they become less concerned about their personal convenience and their personal happiness and their personal assurance of making it to heaven one day to the point that they have lost the whole concept of what it means to be the assembly of called out ones. Jesus called us salt for a reason. He called us light for a reason because we are to make a difference. And when we're out there next Saturday, and I told this to the pastors, before anything else, we should be out there as a witness to the Lord, repenting before the Lord as the people of God, because 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, not if the world will humble themselves and pray, because the world's not going to humble themselves and pray. They are darkness, and until God makes them light, they can't see. They're blind. It's not the world that's the problem. It's the church that's the problem. It's the people of God that's the problem. This is why God says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Then, turn from their wicked way, then, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will heal their land. You know why our land isn't healed? Because God's people called by his name will not humble themselves, will not pray, will not turn from their wicked ways. You know why? Because they don't think they have any wicked ways. Because we've spent all our time in the salt shaker Worshiping God, singing great songs, and, 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 and getting Holy Ghost goosebumps. And as long as we get that, and don't think that the devil doesn't know it. The devil will make your church experience so good you never want to leave church. And I've got Christians. I used to be one. 
who wanted to stay in the church house as long as I could and experience the presence of the Holy Ghost. Listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. If God gave you anything, it's not so you can stay in the church house and experience so you can go back out there and be salt. Because our point of assembling here is to be equipped for the work of ministry, not to find a comfortable place that we can just spend our time and get blessed beyond measure. Those are the guys that are sending you emails and letters in the mail that want you to send them their money. Sow that seed so you can get that return. I hope you aren't falling for stuff like that. The reason I bring that up is because I have people bring those things to me. You know, I people from all over the community. What do you think about this, Pastor? I think that came from the devil, and you need to burn it, throw it away. Yeah, but that's a man of God. He can call himself whatever he wants. Just because he calls himself a man of God doesn't make him a man of God. Church, when the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. You know what happens when you pile your salt in a building? I read a historical account about this. Because you know where they got salt? For instance, the Dead Sea is lined with it. They go to the Dead Sea, they, they scoop it up. And it's got everything in there to make your plants grow. It's got everything in there that'll make your dunghill productive. It also has the sodium chloride that'll make your food taste good. But if you take that salt and you just put it somewhere and you never use it, if you protect it, it can stay salty, but it's not being applied where it needs to be. If you just hoard it up and put it in the corner of your house, and it stays right there, even if it is exposed to the ground in time, it's going to lose its flavor. And it's not good for anything. Salt is like anything else. When you get it, you need to use it. And if you're not using it, then why do you have it? And Jesus calls us salt because we're to make contact with the ground, either to make it grow or to keep it from growing. There are bad things in the dunghill you don't want to grow, so you put salt on it. There are things in the land that need salt to make it grow, you put salt on it. There's food that needs to be preserved, you put salt on it. You can use it in any and all of these ways, but the point is, We've got to make contact. We can't spend our time here in our churches. We've got to get out of this American Western mentality that it's me and Jesus, and as long as me and Jesus have a good thing going, then we're good. No, you're not good. There's none good but God. And you are perverting the reality of what God has called you to be and who God has called you to be because God always deals with his people, the assembly this is why we're called a body. What good is my hand if it's not connected to my body? 
I can take care of it all day long. I can treat it really nice. But if it's not connected to my body, it's doing absolutely nothing. It only works because it's connected. Why do we think we as believers can be disconnected and we're okay? When there is no picture in the scripture that, that gives us that reality, that truth. It doesn't exist. And how do we think that we can make a difference in this world if we're just a bunch of disconnected parts of the body out here that can't come together and can't function. So it's not just us individually as Christ Fellowship Church. It's Christ Fellowship Church, a part of the greater body. How are we going to function with the rest of the body? So this is why we're calling on churches and we're calling on pastors. We ought to be able to come together for something like this. Just like we said, look, if you believe in Jesus and the cross is central to your, your faith, we ought to be able to come together and ask the city to let us put the cross back up because they have for decades and now all of a sudden because we got a... You think this is an accident? This is not an accident. You have people offended by the cross and they have political power and they have money. That's why all these politicians are showing up because there's people there that have money. And when they run for office, they want those people to be buying their signs and contributing to their campaigns. I can say this too, because this word's in the Bible too. You know what that makes him? That makes him a bunch of whores. That's what it makes him. And we got a bunch of politicians who are cowards, and they're just a bunch of whores, selling themselves off to the highest bidder. That's not who Jesus calls us to be. It's not. Now, I'm not saying go out there and tell that politician that. They may be watching. I, I, have, very, I have a very good relationship with most of these people. I, I do a lot of work in this community. But just because I do a lot of work in this community, I know a lot of people, doesn't mean that we should, I should, you should back down if they're willing to take a stand and put themselves out there in the public for an event like this, and I'm telling you, you go to the website and you see how pornographic. Pay close attention to the names these performers give themselves. It's shocking. And if they're willing to put their name out there and speak at that event and promote that event, I should, be willing, I should be willing and able to tell them, if you believe that, that's fine. But if you don't believe in that, don't be a whore. Don't sell yourself just because. Stand up for what's right. And if there's anyone on planet Earth that should be standing up for what's right, it is the people of God. It's the church who is called the salt of the earth. If you can't do anything else, pray. Pray, pray, not just for this event next Saturday. You understand we're in a spiritual warfare for our community, for our county, for our, for our nation. This is our Jerusalem. God has put us here. And we're to make a difference. We're to make a difference. Go back and read your history. Read the founding fathers. They understood this. This is why this nation was founded on biblical principles. And don't believe the lie that it was not because it is. Read any of the founding documents, and, and it's so clear.
Does that mean that now we just sit back and say, now it doesn't matter what happens? Do we let that ground be taken by the enemy, or do we say no? Our forefathers spilt their blood. Christians spilt their blood. John Hus was burned at the stake so people could read the Bible in their native language. John Wycliffe was, was martyred for his faith so that people in England could read the scripture in English. You know what people today would say to them? You just need to obey the authorities. If the authorities don't want the scripture written in, in English or uh, Bohemian, then just obey the authorities because that's what the Bible says. They said no. The authorities are wicked. We're not going to obey wicked authorities. We're going to obey God. The church needs to get a backbone today. So pray. The church, big C, get a backbone. And pastors will stand up in their pulpits and speak the truth, even if they're stepping on people's toes. Even if it means they're going to get canceled on Facebook. Oh my gosh. This is serious. Our children are being taught this in schools. That's why we started the school. Can't change the schools. We're going to abandon the schools. We're going to take our kids out of the government indoctrination systems that are teaching them this stuff. And you think, well, we'll never be California, except in California now, they don't even let parents have a say. Because this is necessary, it's essential. Because what if that child is struggling with their gender and that parent doesn't want them to be a boy just because they were born with different parts? If that child thinks it's a boy or a girl and it's the other, that child has a right to not let that parent interfere with its desire to identify. Sounds crazy, I know. You say, well, that'll never come to Taylor. Well, yeah, we used to say gay pride event would never come to Taylor, but here it is. The enemy's very patient. They've been working very hard, very diligently, incrementally. Do you know that candidates were funded in Williamson County from, I mean, they, they got money from national and international donors, the Democratic Party, to elect candidates here in Williamson County because they targeted this county to flip it because this is the kind of thing. If you don't believe this is spiritual, this is spiritual. This isn't political, this is spiritual. The enemy is trying to destroy the family. Today is Father's Day. Fathers, whether you know it or not, you are under attack. And you might be doing good, but I'm telling you what, you look at the state of father, fatherhood in the nation, it's not doing so good. Where it should be doing good is in the church. So I'm challenging you fathers. John, we would have read this today if I would have been in 1 John. John says, I write to you fathers because you've known him from the beginning. And what John is saying when he wrote to those fathers, when he penned that, I write to you fathers, for you've known him from the beginning. He's talking about, yes, literal fathers, spiritual fathers, 
biological fathers. He's talking about those who have a level of experience, a level of age, the old ones who have known him from the beginning. And what is being implied there is those are the ones that should be standing up and showing the way to the young men and the children coming after them. What we do today in our lifetime is going to determine what our children and our grandchildren is going to determine what kind of city, what kind of county, what kind of state, what kind of nation they live in. It will. And if we don't bother to be the salt that Jesus called us to be, then God will allow this nation to meet its demise. The good news is God will raise up someone else, just like he always has through history. But the question is, do we want to just give up and let that happen, or do we want to fight? Do we want to be salt and do the best we can through faith in God in obedience to the Lord to be the stepping stones that maybe will lead to a better tomorrow for our children and grandchildren? Fathers, that's what we're called to do. It's who we're called to be. It requires courage. It may be painful. It may be unpopular. But we're not going to answer to the politically correct, critical race theory crowd or critical social justice crowd. We're not going to answer to the mayor or the city manager. We're going to answer to the Lord of glory. And God is going to ask us, what did you do with the life I gifted you? That's the physical life and the eternal life, the spiritual life. God is good. So, church, be salt. Pretty simple message. You are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your flavor. Be salty. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light. Let it shine. Now, we use wisdom in how we do that, right? Wisdom doesn't mean we compromise. Wisdom means we know when to answer the fool and we know when not to answer the fool. Right? We learn those things as we come together to be equipped to study his word because the wisdom is in here. It's, it's in here. It's in his word. He'll show us what we need to do. Let's get ready to come to the table. I promise you next week we're going to be back in 1 John. But you know what we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about walking in the light. The Bible is relevant to every area of our life. I want you to pray about these things. Pray about how God can use you as salt and as light. Let's all stand. Your charge today is very simple. Jesus called us light. Let's be what he called us.
Jesus called us salt. Let's be what he called us. Let's be salt. Let's be light. Let's learn how to speak the truth in love, not fearing the consequences of our speech, but trusting that God would use his truth to break through the hardness, the deadness of men's hearts, that they too would be saved to know the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus and the peace that is brought to us by his body, crucified, peace with God. That's what we have in Jesus, peace with God. There's a world that needs that peace. If we will be salt and light, we can help them through our witness as we trust God to do what only he can do, and that is to save sinners. Amen?